0: chapter 27 of is he popinjay this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by crowgirl is he popinjay by anthony trollope chapter 27 the baroness banman again a day or two after the meeting at mr battle's office there came to lord george a letter from that gentleman suggesting that as the dean had undertaken to come up to london again and as he mr battle might not be ready with his advice at the end of a week that day fortnight might be fixed to lord george this delay was agreeable rather than otherwise as he was not specially anxious for the return of his father-in-law nor was he longing for action in this question to his brother's heir but the dean when the lawyer's letter reached him was certain that mr battle did not mean to lose the time simply in thinking over the matter some preliminary inquiry would now be made even though no positive instructions had been given he did not at all regret this but was sure that lord george would be very angry if he knew it he wrote back to say that he would be in munster court on the evening before the day appointed it was now may and london was bright with all the exotic gaiety of the season The park was crowded with riders at one, and was almost impassable at six. Dress was outvying dress and equipage equipage. Men and women, but principally women, seemed to be intent on finding out new ways of scattering money. Tradesmen, no doubt, knew much of defaulters, and heads of families might find themselves pressed for means, but to the outside West End eye, looking at the outside West End world, it seemed as though wealth was unlimited and money a drug to those who had known the thing for years to young ladies who were now entering on their seventh or eighth campaign there was a feeling of business about it all which though it buoyed them up by its excitement robbed amusement of most of its pleasure a ball cannot be very agreeable in which you may not dance with the man you like and are not asked by the man you want at which you are forced to make a note that that full-blown hope is futile and that this little bud will surely never come to flower and then the toil of smiles, the pretence at flirtation, the long continued assumption of fictitious character, the making of oneself bright to the bright, solemn to the solemn, and romantic to the romantic, is work too hard for enjoyment. But our heroine had no such work to do. She was very much admired, and could thoroughly enjoy the admiration. She had no task to perform; she was not carrying out her profession by midnight labors who shall say whether now and again a soft impalpable regret a regret not recognized as such may not have stolen across her mind telling her that if she had seen all this before she was married instead of afterwards she might have found a brighter lot for herself if it were so the only enduring effect of such a feeling was a renewal of that oft-made resolution that she would be in love with her husband the ladies whom she knew had generally their carriages and riding-horses she had only a broom and had that kept for her by the generosity of her father the dean when coming to town had brought with him the horse which she used to ride and wished that it should remain but lord george with a husband's solicitude and perhaps with something of a poor man's proper dislike to expensive habits had refused his permission She soon, too, learned to know the true sheen of diamonds, the luxury of pearls, and the richness of rubies, whereas she herself wore only the little ornaments which had come from the deanery. And as she danced in spacious rooms, and dined in noble halls, and was fated on grand staircases, she remembered what a little place was the little house in Munster Court, and that she was to stay there only for a few weeks more before she was taken to the heavy dullness of Cross Hall. But still she always came back to that old resolution. She was so flattered, so courted, so petted and made much of that she could not but feel that had all this world been open to her sooner, her destiny would probably have been different. But then it might have been different and very much less happy. She still told herself that she was sure that Lord George was all that he ought to be. Two or three things did tease her, certainly. She was very fond of balls, but she soon found that Lord George disliked them as much, and when present was always anxious to get home. She was a married woman, and it was open to her to go alone, but that she did not like, nor would he allow it. Sometimes she joined herself to other parties. Mrs. Houghton was always ready to be her companion, and old Mrs. Montacute-Jones, who went everywhere, had taken a great liking to her. But there were two antagonistic forces, her husband and herself, and of course she had to yield to the stronger force. The thing might be managed occasionally, and the occasion was no doubt much the pleasanter, because it had to be so managed. But there was always the feeling that these bright glimpses of paradise, these entrances into Elysium, were not free to her as to other ladies.' and then one day or rather one night there came a great sorrow a sorrow which robbed these terrestrial paradises of half their brightness and more than half their joy one evening he told her that he did not like her to waltz why she innocently asked they were in the broom going home and she had been supremely happy at mrs montacute jones's house lord george said that he could hardly explain the reason he made rather a long speech in which he asked her whether she was not aware that many married women did not waltz no said she that is of course when they get old they don't i am sure said he that when i say i do not like it that will be enough quite enough she answered to prevent my doing it though not enough to satisfy me why it should not be done he said no more to her on the occasion and so the matter was considered to be settled then she remembered that her very last waltz had been with Jack de Baron. Could it be that he was jealous? She was well aware that she took great delight in waltzing with Captain De Baron because he waltzed so well, but now that pleasure was over and for ever. Was it that her husband disliked waltzing or that he disliked Jack de Baron? A few days after this Lady George was surprised by a visit from the Baroness Banman, the lady whom she had been taken to hear at the disabilities. Since that memorable evening she had seen Aunt Ju more than once and had asked how the cause of the female architect was progressing, but she had never again met the baroness. Aunt Ju had apparently been disturbed by these questions. She had made no further effort to make Lady George a proselyte by renewed attendances at the Rights of Women Institute, and had seemed almost anxious to avoid the subject. As Lady George's acquaintance with the baroness had been owing altogether to Aunt Ju, she was now surprised that the German lady should call upon her the german lady began a story with great impetuosity with so much impetuosity that poor mary could not understand half that was said to her but she did learn that the baroness had in her own estimation been very ill-treated and that the ill-treatment had come mainly from the hands of aunt ju and lady selina protest and it appeared at length that the baroness claimed to have been brought over from bavaria with a promise that she should have the exclusive privilege of using the hall of the disabilities on certain evenings but that this privilege was now denied to her the disabilities seemed to prefer her younger rival miss dr olivia q fleabody whom mary now learned to be a person of no good repute whatever and by no means fit to address the masses of marylebone but what did the baroness want of her what with the female lecturer's lack of english pronunciation what with her impetuosity and with mary's own innocence on the matter it was some time before the younger lady did understand what the elder lady required at last eight tickets were brought out of her pocket on looking at which mary began to understand that the baroness had established a rival disabilities very near the other in listen grove and then at last but very gradually she further understood that these were front-row tickets and were supposed to be worth two shillings and sixpence each but it was not till after that till further explanation had been made which must she feared have been very painful to the baroness that she began to perceive that she was expected to pay for the eight tickets on the moment she had a sovereign in her pocket and was quite willing to sacrifice it but she hardly knew how to hand the coin bodily to a baroness When she did do so, the baroness very well knew how to put it into her pocket. "'You will like to keep the entire eight?' asked the baroness. Mary thought that four might perhaps suffice for her own wants, whereupon the baroness repocketed four, but of course did not return the change. But even then the baroness had not completed her task. Aunt Jew had evidently been false and treacherous, but might still be won back to loyal honesty so much mary gradually perceived to be the drift of the lady's mind lady selina was hopeless lady selina whom the baroness intended to drag before all the judges in england would do nothing fair or honest but aunt ju might yet be one would lady george go with the baroness to aunt ju the servant had unfortunately just announced the broom as being at the door ah said the baroness it would be ten minutes and would be my salvation Lady George did not at all want to go to the house in Green Street. She had no great desire to push her acquaintance with Aunt Jew, she particularly disliked the younger Miss Mildmay, and she felt that she had no business to interfere in this matter. But there is nothing which requires so much experience to attain as the power of refusing. Almost before she had made up her mind whether she would refuse or not, the Baroness was in the broom with her, and the coachman had been desired to take them to Green Street. Throughout the entire distance the baroness was voluble and unintelligible, but Lady George could hear the names of Selina Protest and Olivia Q. Fleabody through the thunder of the lady's loud complaints. Yes, Miss Mildmay was at home. Lady George gave her name to the servant, and also especially requested that the baroness Banman might be first announced. She had thought it over in the broom, and had determined that, if possible, it should appear that the baroness had brought her— twice she repeated the name to the servant when they reached the drawing-room only the younger miss mildmay was present she sent the servant to her aunt and received her two visitors very demurely with the baroness of whom probably she had heard quite enough she had no sympathies and with lady george she had her own special ground of quarrel five or six very long minutes passed during which little or nothing was said The baroness did not wish to expend her eloquence on an unprofitable young lady, and Lady George could find no subject for small talk. At last the door was opened, and the servant invited the baroness to go downstairs. The baroness had perhaps been unfortunate, for at this very time Lady Selina Protest was down in the dining-room discussing the affairs of the Institute with Aunt Jew. There was a little difficulty in making the lady understand what was required of her, but after a while she did follow the servant down to the dining-room. Lady George, as soon as the door was closed, felt that the blood rushed to her face. She was conscious at the moment that Captain de Baron had been this girl's lover, and that there were some who said that it was because of her that he had deserted the girl. The girl had already said words to her on the subject which had been very hard to bear. She had constantly told herself that in this matter she was quite innocent that her friendship with jack was simple pure friendship that she liked him because he laughed and talked and treated the world lightly that she rarely saw him except in the presence of his cousin and that everything was as it ought to be and yet when she found herself alone with this miss mildmay she was suffused with blushes and uneasy she felt that she ought to make some excuse for her visit "'I hope,' she said, "'that your aunt will understand that I brought the lady here "'only because she insisted on being brought.' "'Miss Mildmay bowed. "'She came to me, "'and I really couldn't quite understand what she had to say. "'But the broom was there, and she would get into it. "'I'm afraid there has been some quarrel.' "'I don't think that matters at all,' said Miss Mildmay. "'Only your aunt might think it so impertinent of me. "'She took me to that institute once, you know. "'I don't know anything about the institute.' As for the German woman, she is an impostor, but it doesn't matter. There are three of them there now, and they can have it out together. Lady George didn't understand whether her companion meant to blame her for coming, but was quite sure, from the tone of the girl's voice and the look of her eyes, that she meant to be uncivil. I'm surprised, continued Miss Mildmay, that you should come to this house at all. I hope your aunt will not think—never mind my aunt. The house is more my house than my aunt's after what you have done to me what i have done to you she could not help asking the question and yet she well knew the nature of the accusation and she could not stop the rushing of the tell-tale blood augusta mildmay was blushing too but the blush on her face consisted in two red spots beneath the eyes the determination to say what she was going to say had come upon her suddenly she had not thought that she was about to meet her rival she had planned nothing but now she was determined what have you done she said you know very well what you have done do you mean to tell me that you had never heard of anything between me and captain de baron will you dare tell me that why don't you answer me lady george germain this was a question which she did not wish to answer and one that did not at all appertain to herself which did not require any answer for the clearing of herself but yet it was now asked in such a manner that she could not save herself from answering it i think i did hear that you and he knew each other knew each other don't be so mealy-mouthed i don't mean to be mealy-mouthed i can tell you you knew all about it adelaide had told you you knew that we were engaged no exclaimed lady george she never told me that she did i know she did she confessed to me that she had told you so but what if she had of course he is nothing to you said the young lady with a sneer nothing at all nothing on earth how dare you ask such a question if captain de baron is engaged i can't make him keep his engagements you can make him break them that is not true i can make him do nothing of the kind "'You have no right to talk to me in this way, Miss Mildmay.' "'Then I shall do it without a right. "'You have come between me and all my happiness.' "'You cannot know that I am a married woman,' said Lady George, "'speaking half in innocence and half in anger, "'almost out of breath with confusion, "'or you wouldn't speak like that.' "'Pshaw!' exclaimed Miss Mildmay. "'It's nothing to me whether you are married or single. "'I care nothing, though you have twenty lovers, "'if you do not interfere with me.' "'It is a falsehood,' said Lady George, who was now standing. "'I have no lover. "'It is a wicked falsehood. "'I care nothing for wickedness or falseness either. "'Will you promise me, if I hold my tongue, "'that you will have nothing further to say to Captain de Baron? "'No. "'I will promise nothing. "'I should be ashamed of myself to make such a promise.' "'Then I shall go to Lord George. "'I do not want to make mischief, "'but I am not going to be treated in this way. "'How would you like it?' "'When I tell you that the man is engaged to me, why cannot you leave him alone?' "'I do leave him alone,' said Mary, stamping her foot. "'You do everything you can to cheat me of him. "'I shall tell Lord George.' "'You may tell whom you like,' said Mary, rushing to the bell-handle "'and pulling it with all her might. "'You have insulted me, and I will never speak to you again.' "'Then she burst out crying and hurried to the door. "'Will you get me my carriage?' she said to the man through her sobs. As she descended the stairs, she remembered that she had brought the German Baroness with her, and that the German Baroness would probably expect to be taken away again. But when she reached the hall, the door of the dining-room burst open and the German Baroness appeared. It was evident that two scenes had been going on in the same house at the same moment. Through the door, the Baroness came first, waving her hands above her head. Behind her was Aunt Ju advancing with imploring gesture and behind aunt ju might be seen lady selina protest standing in mute dignity it is all a gut up cheating and a fraud said the baroness and i will have justice english justice the servant was standing with the front door open and the baroness went straight into lady george's broom as though it had been her own oh lady george said aunt ju what are you to do with her but lady george was so taken up with her own trouble that she could hardly think of the other matter she had to say something. Perhaps I had better go with her. Good-bye. And then she followed the baroness. I did not think there was such robbery with ladies, said the baroness. But the footman was asking for directions for the coachman. Whither was he to go? I do not care, said the baroness. Lady George asked her in a whisper whether she would be taken home. Anywhere, said the baroness. In the meantime the footman was still standing, and Aunt Jew could be seen in the hall through the open door of the house. During the whole time our poor Mary's heart was crushed by the accusations which had been made against her upstairs. Home, said Mary in despair, to have the baroness in Munster Court would be dreadful, but anything was better than standing in Green Street with the servant at the carriage window. Then the baroness began her story lady selina protest had utterly refused to do her justice and aunt jew was weak enough to be domineered by lady selina that as far as mary understood anything about it was the gist of the story but she did not try to understand anything about it during the drive her mind was intent on forming some plan by which she might be able to get rid of her companion without asking her into her house she had paid her sovereign and surely the baroness had no right to demand more of her "'When she reached Munster Court, her plan was in some sort framed. "'And now, madam,' she said, "'where shall I tell my servant to take you?' "'The baroness looked very suppliant. "'If you was not busy, I should so like just one half-hour of conversation.' "'Mary nearly yielded. "'For a moment she hesitated, "'as though she were going to put up her hand and help the lady out.' But then the memory of her own unhappiness steeled her heart, and the feeling grew strong within her that this nasty woman was imposing on her, and she refused. "'I am afraid, madam,' she said, "'that my time is altogether occupied.' "'Then let him take me to ten Alexandrina Road Maida Vale,' said the baroness, throwing herself sulkily back into the carriage. Lady George gave the direction to the astounded coachman, for Maida Vale was a long way off, and succeeded in reaching her own drawing-room alone what was she to do the only course in which there seemed to be safety was in telling all to her husband if she did not it would probably be told by the cruel lips of that odious woman but yet how was she to tell it it was not as though everything in this matter was quite pleasant between her and him lady susanna had accused her of flirting with the man and that she had told to him and in her heart of hearts she believed that the waltzing had been stopped because she had waltzed with Jack de Baron. Nothing could be more unjust, nothing more cruel, but still there were the facts. And then the sympathy between her and her husband was so imperfect. She was ever trying to be in love with him, but had never yet succeeded in telling even herself that she had succeeded. End of chapter 27 Recording by Crow Girl CaraCrow.blogspot Dot com.